we're now going to move on to a little bit of testimony from three different people, just short testimony. So we're going to hear from Beryl, Jenny, and Jeff. So Beryl, would you like to come first? Fear not, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Peace be with you. These are words that came to me when I was in hospital last year. And the word of God kept coming to me and coming to me because I had a very bad reaction from the anesthetic that, um, that I was under. Now, basically, this took the form of a nightmare and it went on for four days. And um, some of you may have experienced various things like this. I've heard other people speak of it floating and I was floating on a mattress going through tunnels and all sorts of horrible faces. There were people staring at me through a window. Um, they were waiting for me to die. And I was feeling as though I was going away, but as I was seeing them through the window, nevertheless, the word came with me, to me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you, peace be with you. Be not afraid, fear not, for I am your God. And these words kept coming to me all the time. It was the word of God sustaining me. At the same time, although it was fearful, I had God's peace. And there was warm glow all the way around me. I could see it, and I knew he was with me. And I knew that there were many people praying for me, which there were. And to those of you who were here at that time, thank you for your prayers. Um, the Lord heard them and I was very aware of it. Now at this time, while all of this was going on, I was sending out messages, mobile messages, to my family, um, giving them a running commentary of what was happening. People staring through the window, waiting for me to die, and all manner of things. I even sent a couple of messages to David, our pastor. Um, praise the Lord, he didn't take any notice of them, because I asked him to phone the police and send a, a police and also thank you to send the police and also an ambulance to the hospital to take these people away that were bothering me and also to take me away as i say <laughs> in the ambulance um, praise the lord as i say he didn't take any notice he knew what was going on now another thing that happened also in this time was that one night um, I was going through um, words that I had memorized from scripture and I remember seeing the clock in the room it was two o'clock and the word of the Lord kept coming to me and I just kept going over and over scriptures in my mind that I've been memorizing over the years and it went on for two hours and I remember at the end it was four o'clock I remember the nurse came in and the scriptures had just kept coming to me and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was the word of God that carried me through and none other. As he has many times over the years in difficult circumstances, the word of God every single time. Another thing that happened in this uh, situation, as I say, all sorts of things took place during that four days, was that I, ha I did have uh, tubes around my neck uh, for the medication and various drugs that were being uh, put into me. And I had a big needle in my neck and all sorts of things around. And uh, in this nightmare, I knew that I wanted to get into a hotel, but that I couldn't go into the hotel with all these tubes around my neck, so I must get them off. 
And I actually had a, I mean, I don't remember getting the scissors out, but I did have a little pair of scissors that were my, my mother's. I mention that because that makes them about 90 or more years old. And I cut through one of these tubes. And I, I knew that I was doing it in the nightmare, but it wasn't bothering me in the least. I can see uh, the faces of a nurse here, absolutely shocked. Yes, it, it's true, Nikki. And I cut it through, and there was blood everywhere. But praise the Lord, um, the, 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 the staff were there, and uh, you know I wasn't aware of them coming at all. I was you know, somewhere else, and they came and obviously rescued me. A friend did tell me afterwards that, well, she said, praise the Lord, they did come, because it was very, very serious, a serious situation. Now at this time also, apart from the messages that I was sending out, I was also writing my diary. Now don't ask me how I could do this, but I've got it. And every day that, you know, all of these things going on, but all the way through, I had this peace, the Lord's peace, and his word, and it's the power in the word. We know that the word is living and active and sharper than the Jewish thought. And of course it is powerful. Powerful is the word of God. And this was the word ministering to me through all of this. When I got home, um, and I'm here to prove it, I got home, um, I I'm, um, charged up my late husband's mobile phone and the messages came flying in that I'd sent out, over 144 messages I'd sent out in that four days. Some of them just two words, one word, just giving a running commentary. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, just to remember that it was this warm glow around me all the time. I knew people were praying. I felt the power of prayer and the power of the written word of God. Thank you very much indeed. Praise be to God. Thanks, And now we're going to hear from Jenny. Um, good morning. When Debbie asked me to share God's story um, from the Philippines, I don't really know what to say, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of of stories that happened and that is still happening in our personal lives um, that you can really praise and glorify God, I would say. But um, this story that I'm gonna share is something that is very close to our heart. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with or, or have heard the Joshua Project, if I'm doing it right, and the 1040 window. So it is the organization that identifies, a Christian organization that identifies um, tribes and people who haven't been reached by the word of God from Asia, um, in any part of the world. So my country, Philippines, even though I'm in Scotland, I'm still a Filipino, <laughs> so um, is, is identified. We are in one of those 1040 windows. So there's a lot of um, tribes in the Philippines that haven't been, haven't been reached, haven't had a Bible, haven't heard the real story of God. So we are composed of more than 7,100 islands. So you can imagine as an archipelago that we are, there's, there's a lots of tribes. We speak 
more than 40 languages. <laughs> so, so if you go from one island to the other, you can't understand them. So we have um, a language called Filipino, which is our national language, which we communicate when we go to other places. But some of the places who has not a proper education doesn't learn the language itself as well. So it takes um, a passionate heart to go to these places. So my home church in the Philippines is, um, is really um, have the heart of mission and to reach out these people. So when I was there, um, my Christian, as, as a Christian, I grew up <clears throat> um, having this heart of sharing the gospel and reaching out these people. So I've been to, and, and, my, and my husband Eric and Althea, my daughter, um, before Daniel was born, we've been to some mission um, outreaches where we go to the places, and, and my country is made up of Islam and Christianity, so it's like half, and we fight. <laughs> you know, we fight, we, we go to war, we kill each other. Um, so this tribe is called the Umayyam tribe, so they, they live in far rich places, but for some reason during COVID has opened an opportunity for a church, for, for the soldiers to go there because they need to give them rations of food. So our pastor, he was a, um, he actually like kind of done into training so that he will be able to go with, with the soldiers and ration some foods in these um, places that the civilization hasn't been reached. So after a year, it's amazing how God has opened that place and, and um, they were able to, to make a building, a shelter for the people that, that they are sharing about the word of God. So it's not a shelter like this. This is just such an amazing building, I would tell you. But it's somehow that will cover them from the rain and from, and from the sun. So when I was listening to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, I was thinking like, this is really God wants me to say, because I'm not very sure if I wanted to share it. So this video um, belongs to the, to the church back in the Philippines. So I think we tried to search it on YouTube, but we can't search it. So I think it's only exclusive for the members um, so that we will know um, because even if we are here, we keep in contact with them and, and in, in many ways that we can help them, in, especially with prayers. Because they are, every time they go to this territory, they are in danger because they are headhunters, this, this tribe. So they definitely heal you, get your head. It's a bit gory, but <laughs> that is how it is. Um, so I'm going to share you this video. And hopefully, you will praise God and just realize as well that Every nation, every tribe, every language have the right to actually receive the good news. Thank you, Jenny, for that. And um, we're going to hear from Jeff. Hi, I, I was one of those people who was uh, um, uh, welcomed as a visitor. But of course, in the body of Christ, we don't have really have visitors uh, because we all belong. 
the Bible says if we belong to him, we're, we're members of one another. Uh, and that's a glorious thing. It's also interesting to note that um, when the church is instituted on the day of Pentecost, it's done in a multiracial, multilingual, multicultural context. Because you see, our refuge isn't in any kind of nationalisms. We're not identified by where we come from as those who love the Lord. We're identified in where we're going to. It's actually our common destiny, not our divided history, that is the hallmark of those who love Jesus. I spend uh, quite a bit of time in India training uh, leaders, and if I'm not doing so, uh, then I'm uh, on, online with, with large groups of them. I just want to give you a little taste of, uh, of the, uh, the background to that. Um, when people say they've been to India, uh, I, I'm always a, li a little bit uh, cautious because uh, over the, the decades that I've been going, I've discovered there isn't an India, there are Indias. Very, very many different Indias with as many pe people in one nation as there are in the entire, uh, entirety of Europe. Um, and I work mainly with the Dalits. The, the Dalits are, are, are the... Uh, the people who are at the, the bottom of the caste system are, are untouchable. You, you understand the caste system that if you're born, uh, you're high-born, then you can only marry the high-born, and so, uh, so that you can't change caste during your lifetime. You can only do it by uh, having your deeds weighed as to whether you're good or bad by Shiva, that's your karma, and depending on that, they believe that you would come back as something better or worse next time. The, the, the problem with it, it, it produces a very divided society, because if you're at the top of the tree, you have every right to be morally smug, uh, because you deserve to be there because of what's happened in your previous lifetimes. And if you're at the bottom uh, uh, of the social pile, then you have every reason to have... Uh, the lowest possible view of yourself because you've earned that through uh, destructive lives. And therefore, the people at the bottom of, of the heap, the caste system, are those who've dropped out of all those categories, and it's where we get the English word outcast from. Uh, they, they've dropped out of the bottom of society. Uh, and those are the Dalit people. And the gospel is going through the Dalit people like a train. Okay, uh, we're used to seeing uh, chapels closed down and turned into carpet warehouses and the like. Uh, for them, that, that's an, an unthinkable thought. Um, there are pockets, particularly in the areas that are known as the tribal areas. Uh, that's where the, the people are living in, in uh, relative um, isolation and not speaking one of uh, India's 47 uh, national languages. Um, uh, one of those is the bird people in the uh, forests of Karnataka and the people refer to their languages, they, they call them the bird people, they call the language they speak, they speak bird people um, and they've been a, a closed community because they, they literally live off the feathers and meat uh, uh, of the forest birds which are very exotic in that area. Um, I was there when uh, I met with, with uh, a, a group of church leaders and they had planted one and a half thousand new churches 
within five years. That's how the gospel was going. Uh, and the evidence that I experienced, I was at a, a, a training one morning and this young man came and he wanted to know why everybody's Bible was bigger than his. And I thought this was a, a wily stratagem knowing that I carried study Bibles uh, and uh, this was what was in this guy's mind. Uh, it turned out that I was completely wrong. Uh, I couldn't have misjudged it uh, more ably than, uh, than that. Uh, what, the truth was this, uh, that a, an OM worker had been to his village, which was two hours walk from the nearest road, had led him to the Lord, left him with a New Testament, uh, uh, and he'd never had any further contact with Christians. Uh, he'd become a Christian. He'd begun to evangelize his own village. He had a church of 77 adults and over 100 children. And he'd come to the conference and he had never heard of the Old Testament. No, no idea of its existence. Uh, and this was from a, a church from a standing start in one uh, man that uh, an, an OM worker had led to the Lord in 18 months. Uh, there is also a great deal of difference in the areas of India for the experience of people. Uh, areas where there's a higher level of Muslims generally tend to be better for Christians because the Hindu nationalists can't uh, assert themselves as strongly because it will cause uh, real dissent uh, and problem. Uh, and so uh, the churches tend to flourish more effectively in those areas. So central areas like um, those around Hyderabad, uh, uh, um, Andhra Pradesh, in, in the centre and the like. Um, in the north, they experience a great deal more persecution, uh, Christians. Uh, in the past few years, the rise of the Hindu Nationalist Party, and of course you'll see nationalism rising across the world as people are looking for an identity they tend to go for their history. Don't be fooled, brothers and sisters, as Christians, if we're looking for our identity, don't look to your history, look to your destiny. For one day we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's a fantastic promise of scripture. But in the, in the north, uh, they're suffering a great deal of challenge. And many pastors beaten to death, certainly uh, over COVID, um, there's been a, a great depredation of pastors' wives because they've been the people who've done the majority of the sick visiting. And it is only now, uh, in some areas, that they are getting their first access to vaccines. This uh, no, October, November this year is the first time many of the Dalit people have had access to, to vaccines. And they're having to pay for them. So online, I've taken part in a number of funerals of pastors and their wives that I've actually uh, stayed in, and they're people whose homes I've stayed in when I've been in India. So to give you a sense, there is a moving of the supernatural in terms of healings and signs of wonders that accompany the advance of the gospel. You know, the, 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 the New Testament has there'll be signs and wonders following. Not a, 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 a mass desire for Christian magic. We're, uh, it's, we're not talking about that. We're actually talking about spectacular events. Uh, I've been to many churches where a miraculous work of God has been the trigger for the congregation there. 
And, I, and people often say to me, you know, well, you pray for the sick there and you see this, that, and the other, which I do. Um, and they say, well, I, you know, I, I've got a dodgy knee. Why don't you come and pray for my knee? And they think it's something that I'm carrying, and it's not. It's, some, it's an anointing that is on the poor and the desperate and those of faith that draws something from the heart of God. And when they meet with the word of God and with faith, then you see uh, the most amazing things happen. Uh, and so the church is alive and doing extraordinarily well. And it appears that uh, the new anti-conversion law that has been brought in by the Hindu Nationalist Party in India, whilst it is having an effect on official religion, is actually not touching the vibrancy of the gospel. Uh, that is still progressing, uh, and churches are still growing with a great deal of, uh, uh, of speed and deep desire for the Lord. I am often humbled in those circumstances. I, uh, when I go, I don't stay in hotels. I live in the slums and the, uh, some very uh, unattractive areas, uh, but I want to be with the people who I'm sharing the gospel with and sharing teaching with. Uh, there is such humility of heart. I remember being in... in um, in, in, in the Kashmir borders, and there was this map, not, not the Kashmir borders, the borders into southern Nepal. Uh, and uh, he was going over the, the border and buying street children from people who were trying to exploit them and bringing them back to work on his farm and to live. And in fact, worship in his church was led by an eight-year-old Nepalese girl. And she was stunningly anointed of God in the process. Um, but I remember sitting at the table and it had been uh, a heat wave and it was 54 degrees C during the day. Uh, street people were dying and I was sleeping on the roof at night with a fan over me. And um, I remember sitting at the table. Uh, his furniture was a, a, pa a set of patio furniture and three beds. That's what all the house had. And somebody put this uh, bottle of seven up on the table with uh, beads of chill sort of dribbling down the sides. And I went, yes! Uh, and um, somebody called me Brother Seven Up from then onwards. But I remember that they, uh, they poured this out, uh, and I reached for the bottle to pour it out for the others. Uh, and uh, they put their hands over their cups, uh, and uh, I said, what's going on, to my translator? And he said... Well, actually, it was a day's wages for that man uh, to be able to buy the seven up. And he gave it to you as unto the Lord, and that's why they won't receive it. The world is rich with brothers and sisters who truly know the Lord Jesus. And we're not visitors among them, or they with us. We belong. That's what the Bible says. We're members of one another. Isn't that great?